this year especially I felt like in the weight room I've been as strong as I've been ever and as long as I can run the right way and use that force that I'm able to generate then I'm going to be faster. Excellence is about spin and excellence is a requirement Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, I'm fortunate to get to talk to Aaron Brown. Aaron is a gold medalist at the 2022 Track and Field World Championship in the 4x100m. He brings us through the crucial moments of his career, how he got better as a sprinter and as a person, and how he overcome all the challenges and hurdles that he faced. The wisdom we can hear in his stories was acquired along the way, since that very first sprint quite early on. I remember when I signed up for track when I was, I don't even know how old, maybe like 10, 8, 9, I don't know, something like that. Very young. They told me just run away to the end and don't stop running until you cross the line. And so I did that and I won. I said, cool. My dad told me that if I had won the race, he would uh, buy me ice cream or something like that. So I was just like, okay. And I just ran. That's literally how I remember it. And I didn't think anything of it. I didn't, I didn't care that I won. I didn't care that I beat people. I didn't care how fast I ran. It's just, I just wanted to get the ice cream. So very cool. Young. Cool. What's the moment in your, you know, your youth when you kind of figured out that you had it in you and that you could become a pro and become one of the best? Um, man, it's just climbing the mountain and uh, going step by step and just seeing that, you know, if I stay dedicated, if I stay committed, then following one step after the other can take me very far and take me far places. So. I knew that if I just listened to the people around me that had been there before me and were putting me in good positions, that something good would come out of it. And it really was just following the next step. I never had like this long vision of where I was going to be. I never planned to be an Olympic medalist and a world champion and, you know, a nine time pro at Nike. Um, when I signed up for track, I was just literally just trying to win races. And then it was just like, hey, if you run a little bit faster, you can get a scholarship. And then it's like, hey, if you run a bit faster, you can get a pro contract. And then it's like, hey, if you run a bit faster, you can get a medal. And it's just like, keep chasing the next thing. And one step after the other just led me to where I'm at in this journey. Awesome. So you didn't really have any single point. You can't really pinpoint any, you know, any point in time, any event, any moment that you were, it was going to, you know, revelation to you. It's more, like you said, every single step, oh, I have to climb that step. I'm eight now. I'm, I want to be, you know, the college or whatever, the high school champion. And then I'm the high school champion. So what's next now? It's, you know, getting into college yeah. and being the college champion. So it's really a step-by-step -step until you get to, I guess, where you're at now. And now your objective is being an Olympic champion next year and, and getting it, you know, into Paris. Is that, just your mindset and overall is not burning the steps, just, you know, reaching the next one and then fighting to get to the next one. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, focus on the challenge that's in front of you and uh, the task at hand and don't get too far into the future. That's always been how I've done things. And it's just like, okay, how could I get faster today? How could I be the best high school athlete I can be? How could I be the best 
college athlete I could be? How could I be, be the best pro I could be? And just facing the challenges that are ahead of me. That's just step by step. And then one, once you look up and you look back, you're like, damn, this is how far I came. But it was never the plan. It was just, you know, focusing on the moment. Awesome. And talking about challenges. So at the end, what you, what you mentioned is probably every step came with, you know, it's a set of, of challenges. What, what do you remember as being the first big, you know, challenge that you had to overcome? Probably, I mean, you're, you're eight, you're running for an ice cream, then you run for, you know, an Olympic title. But what, what's in between after running for that ice cream? What's the first, you know, um, memory as a young man that, you had to overcome this if you wanted to get to the next step? Uh, so I did all kinds of sports back then. So track wasn't even like really a big deal for me back then. I think the next step with track was when I did it again in high school because in eighth grade, I decided to skip it because I just wanted to play with my friends and I'm like, ah, I don't really want to go for track this year. Um, but when I got to ninth grade in high school, I said, you know, I feel like doing track again because it was track season. And when I came out to the team, there was two guys, uh, Andre Hamilton, who's passed, rest in peace, and Ian Warner, who always gave me a hard time. You know, they always teased me and said, who's this guy I think he is, you know, coming out for track? Like, I was I was the basketball player back then. So, like, who's this basketball guy? Who does he think he is? And I went out there and I ran uh, my first meet. I ran with LeBron shoes on and like basketball shorts and I didn't use blocks. So I didn't even know what blocks were. I'm like, what are these things? Like get, get it out of my lane. Like I just want to stand and go. And I ran as fast as I could and I won the race. And I'm like, Oh cool. I won. But I didn't know like there was prelims and finals. I didn't know like, okay, this is the meet to qualify for the next meet or I didn't know anything. I was just running. I and mean, it's just like when I ran for the ice cream, like you just want run to get the win and then you're good. But then people were asking me like, what was your time? I'm like, what do you mean was my time? Like, who cares? I won. I'm like, no, but you got to know your time to see if you made it to the next round. So I was like, okay. And I went and checked my time. And it was like 11.5 or something like that. And then like, no, that's impossible. Like I run 11.7 with spikes and, and tights. Like, and you don't even use blocks. Like you couldn't and have Lots of training, I guess. Yeah. And I just came out there and they're like, yeah. I'm like, it says 11.5. That's what I ran. Is that good? And they're like, that's impossible. So then I ran again in the finals and I think I ran 11.5 again. And they're like, yo, this guy's like really good. And, you know, that just became the challenge because once they saw that I was good, that's when Ian and Andre started to notice me. And they're like, ah, who is this guy trying to come in like on their turf and like try to establish himself like they were the track guys, you know? So I try to earn their respect and I wanted to be fast in their mind. And so they're like, you're not fast until you win Offsa Gold. And so I went to Offsa and I got fourth. I'm like, oh, okay. Let me actually train for this thing next year. Let me actually get some spikes and see how far I could take this. And then I won triple loss of gold the next year. And uh, I actually got on the senior team relay with those two guys and earned their respect that way because we broke the awesome record then and won gold. So from there, it was just like me and the challenges. And the next one was to get a scholarship. So I was running fast to get the attention of colleges. So I just kept running races and getting faster. And, you know, that's how I ended up going down south to the to USC. Awesome. And so at the very beginning, for what you say, it very seems like talent was what made you win, right? right? Like raw talent in a way. Did you see a shift where 
you knew talent wasn't enough anymore and oh, that yeah. you like training was what would bring you to the to the the next step is there a specific yes. moment high school college 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 freshman year i was always the most talented guy um growing up in high school and i was the big fish in a relatively little pond you know even numbers wise offs is one of the biggest meets in north america but like just comparing the times from the us to canada it's just a whole different ball game and when i got to usc and i started training with uh, my roommate josh mance i remember we ran 300 and he just blew me out of the water like i was behind by like 100 meters and i'm like how was he running this fast like i, I didn't even know it was possible to go that fast because i never trained that hard and these guys are used to like training like legit track and field runners so i had to really adapt because everyone around me was super talented and You know, you're getting recruits from all across the country, all across the world, honestly, in Division One, and it's the best of the best. Like it's it's a training ground for the next level before you go pro. So when I got to, you know, NCAA's, it was a whole different ball game. Like these guys are running nine nine ten O's, like it wasn't nothing. And my PR back then was like ten three, I want to say. So I'm like, man, this is this is insane. And I kept getting hurt, and you know. I couldn't train properly and it, I was just like, okay, I got to completely revamp myself next year if I want to have a chance. And, you know, then I had to climb the mountain again, you know, because I was a small fish in a big pond. And so what's your mind mindset at this point? Because like you said, some of the guys, you're what, 18 at this point, I guess, 18, 19, probably? Yeah, 19. Even. Yeah, 19. Yeah. And you have guys that are already sub 10 and like you said, you are at 10-3 or something. So at yeah. this level, it's it's a will, right? The difference between yeah. that guy at nine nine or nine nine five or whatever, and you at ten three, it's it's a world. Mm -hmm. What you know? What's your mindset at this point? How do you how do you see yourself bridging that gap and and that you know reaching the not the next level at this point is like reaching pro and and getting into the top you know top 20 of the world or something like that. So, what's your mindset? You know, it's like I have to achieve greatness or. It's not just a mindset, it's a training, it's a lifestyle, it's you know how you sleep, how you drink, how you eat, right. everything, right? Family, friends, everything that every single step of your day probably has an impact on on bridging that, you know, point three, point four second that you're chasing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, for me back then, I just wanted to contribute and I wanted to be worth my scholarship. So they gave me a full ride scholarship coming from Canada and I want to prove that I was worth it. I didn't want them to make that investment into me and I didn't give anything back. I never like to, I like to over deliver and under promise and I don't want it to be the reverse. So I don't want anybody thinking that I, you know, took advantage of the situation. Like I want to give value back when they give me value. And so I looked at the landscape and I'm like, all right, freshman year, I got hurt at, at pack 12s well, back then I was pack 10s. Um, and I couldn't contribute in the finals because I, I made the finals in the hundred, but I got hurt. I kept having injuries and so I couldn't run in the finals and contribute points for us to help for to, to help win the team title. And then at NCs, I made the NCAAs, but I didn't get to the finals where you score points. So I wasn't all American. So I said, all right, next year I want to be able to contribute points to the team. And how do I do that? I got to stay healthy, not get hurt. And I have to run faster times. So I took my time down from 10, three, uh, I actually ended up running 10, two at the end of the year, but they're win aided. So I opened up in my second year with a 10-2 PR. And that year, my got, got my time down to 10-18. 
in 20.5 and sorry, 20.4. Um, and I ran a win eight to 10.0. And so that put me on a different stratosphere. And like now I was competitive. Now I knew I could at least have the potential to compete with some of these guys. And I got my first all American. Um, I finished seventh in the 200 outdoors and I won pack 12s in the hundred and I was second in the 200. So I contributed points, which is my goal. And so then I saw that, okay, if I actually stay healthy, stay balanced with my academics and my athletics, and I just apply myself, I can be one of those guys that is worth their scholarship. I can contribute to the team and I just wanted to be helpful. And so it was a huge difference between my first year and my second year, just based on my mentality and going into it like, okay, I'm not going to have this be who I am, not somebody on the sidelines, you know, not making finals and hurt all the time. Like that's not the athlete I am. And coming from Offsa, like I was used to like being the guy on the team and to be like, you know, someone on the sidelines of like, what is this? Like, this is not who I am. Awesome. Yeah. So it makes me, uh, I, I think two things out of it is, first of all, you have a crazy memory because you remember <laughs> every single race, pretty much every <laughs> single time that you had and every single person that w was racing against you. That's that's amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. The second point is, yeah, you kind of, you, you have that grit inside and you just know that if you can do it, you're just going to make it happen in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you turn pro. What's What's officially the difference that, you know, makes you a pro versus an amateur, I guess, when you you leave college or when you get your first contract or you know money so, out of your sports? What what really makes it? Makes that's it that's the funny thing about track and field. There's no actual definition. Like when you go pro in basketball, you know you're pro by being on a team, right? Mm -hmm. Like being in a professional league. In track, it's kind of like loosey-goosey. So you have some people who are still in college, but they compete at like the Olympics or at worlds, but they go back to college and compete with them or they might run a pro race here and there, but then go back to college. So it's kind of loose. My definition is just, do you make money? Like, is this your career? Mm -hmm. Like, or is this your hobby? You know? So for me, it was my career because all I did was run track and I turned professional when I first signed my contract with uh, first my agent. And then when I got my Nike deal in 2014, so Uh, October 2014 is when I officially was a professional because I no longer ran for USC. I ran for Nike. Okay. Okay. So that's actually, that's a very interesting point because I, I thought it would come a little later in the, the in the, the discussion with the business side of, of track and, and your sports in general. It's so you're a pro, you have to live off of it, right? So right. you have to make money. Do you, you, I guess you have your, your deal with Nike Um, you don't have a base salary, right? You're not in the industry. You're not working for someone and just having, you know, a paycheck every single week. You probably have prize money when you, you know, win a race or participate in like a huge race, Diamond League, Olympics, World Championship, well, I, and stuff like that. I, what's... I do have a base salary. Okay, it's just so quarterly. yeah. Explain explain that to me if you if you if you may. Yeah. So if you have a shoe contract, typically you get paid like Nike. I know pays quarterly. Okay. Um, I think Adidas pays semi-annually. Um, but basically you get, well, there are some contracts that don't have a base salary. You literally just bonus, they're called bonus uh, structured. Okay. So if you hit certain metrics, they'll pay you a certain amount. Like if you're in a certain time or if you make a certain team or place a certain place in a meet, they'll give you a bonus. 
mine has a base salary and bonuses on top. So, okay, yeah. so that's I that's really your main source of income in a way. It's your partnership or your your contract with Nike, but you don't have. I mean, you have an agent that you know you have, I guess, a relationship and a split between whatever money you make. You might right. have some prize money uh, in different races, but that's really the the overall structure of how you know you make a living with your sport. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just learned something very interesting. <laughs> I know I had no clue <laughs> about this. Um, uh, yeah. So the the second point. So you're a pro. I mean, you've been a pro for what? Uh, I guess nine years ish years, nine years now. Um, What's your schedule like? How do you plan? I would say a season. Um, There are so many races across the world, lots in in North America. Do you plan? Do you have a a coach? Do you have anyone who tells you where you should or have to go and which race you have to, to, uh, to participate in? So every athlete is different. It depends on the caliber of athlete you are. So, um, I'm, I've been top 10 in the world for the past five seasons. So I've kind of have more say in where I can go and what meets will accept me. But basically you want to see what meets are out there and aim for the highest ones that pay the most, which is going to be your diamond league races and continental tour races, um, outside of the championships and, you know, qualifiers and stuff like that. Um, so there's a whole circuit of races around the world with the diamond league and continental tour gold that uh, you can sign up for. So um, you basically have your agent contact the meets or the meets will contact your agent and say, hey, we want so-and-so to run our meet. Um, Sometimes you get an appearance fee to show up. Sometimes it's like, hey, we got a lane for you. And you you show up and run and race for Diamond League points, get enough points to qualify for the Diamond League final, which is the top eight, who have the eight most points. And then you can compete for a bigger prize in the Diamond League final. Um, So... Outside of like the Olympics and world championships, that's mainly what I do is just run around the world. There's meets literally across the whole world. Um, and I travel and race for prize money. Awesome. So how many, let's say how many races or how many, uh, uh, days of race, because you know, when you go to a diamond league event, you might run the hundred and 200 meters, for example, but let's say how many days of race per year on average? Mm, I mean, last year I kind of raced a little bit less than the year before. The year before I probably ran about like 30 races. Last year I cut it down maybe to like 20. So, uh, and that's including like, you know, national championships, the world championships, stuff like that, local meets. Um, so, uh, some athletes race even less than that. Some race maybe like 10 times a year, uh, really depends on who you are. Some athletes don't need to race a lot because they get into shape really fast and they have big contracts, so they don't need to race for money. Other people like to race like 50 times because they like to race themselves into shape and get as much money as they can from prize money because they don't have a contract or it's very little. Um, or they just like to race. <laughs> awesome. But, so, uh, you know, everyone's it's different. interesting because on one of the, the videos that I watch of you, you said that you're a very analytical guy. So... If we analyze the numbers behind that, it means on a, an average year, let's say 200, uh, 20 uh, uh, races, sorry. So average, assuming they are 200 meters, it's 20 seconds each. So that's 400 seconds of race on you know a 365-day uh, year. How many hours of training go behind those 400 seconds of race? And what's the ratio of one second of race equals X 
minutes of hours or sorry hours of uh, of training do you ever think of it and the craziness uh, <laughs> behind it i've never actually looked at it like that but the ratio is going to be insane i'll tell you that because just today i've already trained from you know nine o'clock to 1.30 and that's a short day mm -hmm. sometimes i go to like three o'clock and that's not even including like appointments outside of the of training so you know sometimes i have a massage or a chiropractor or physio something like that for track so yeah it's a lot more hours i don't know the ex exact number that, but that's i, I yeah, no, guarantee I'm, I'm that the is crazy of every single sport and at the end every you know the race day or the game day is so much you know bigger uh, uh, someone that runs marathon will you know yeah <laughs> the ratio will be so much different as you guys because you are i mean you're getting into the details and playing with like you know, you know 0.01 or 0.001 second for you know make to make a difference uh and be the best so that's uh that's pretty amazing i think <laughs> um yeah. another point so again it's it's i would say behind the athlete in a way it's you're Like you said, you have 20 races in a in a year. So these are the 20 times in the year when you need to be at your peak performance, right? right. Have you ever felt like you reached your peak outside of a competition? And how do you deal with that? Of you know, maybe you have a couple of days where you know you train and you maybe beat an official records of your own. So how do you manage that and how do you make it so that you get your peak performance? the day of and not the day before the day after well that's up to my coach to uh spot and kind of reel me back if i'm hitting my peak too early or too late then we have to readjust the schedule and see like why i didn't hit it when i needed to um and that has happened where i honestly last year i felt like my peak came at the end of the season and i wanted to keep running but i'm like you know what let me just shut it down and get ready for next year because that's more important But uh, I really feel like it just took me a while to really, really hit my stride. And sometimes that's just a matter of tweaking our training program. And that's something that's on my coach to do and uh, see. I trust him to do that. And um, I kind of just follow the plan. I don't want to, you know, be second guessing him and, and worrying about that. Because if you're running with doubts and thinking like, oh, maybe I'm not peaked right now or I'm not ready or I'm too ready right now and i'm not gonna be ready later that's when you get in your own head and you stop running as fast because uh you need to be focused when you're out there on the line okay so you really have your coaches that know you so well that they know in a way your cycles and you know when mm -hmm. is a when is a good time and they might you know refuse a race or or push back or cancel uh an event that yep. you were supposed to go to because they feel like you're in like the, the low part of your cycle for example or exactly cycle, i don't know or period or whatever the, the name is yeah. and um and personally is that something you feel or because it's like we said 0.01 second that's just them seeing you just you know the way you you know behave the way you run your your position on the track and all that how how can they pinpoint that or is it just a matter of oh hey you ran x today so we know that it's just below your standards so it's not a good time yeah i think it's just a matter of looking at the clock measuring my my practice stats, seeing my race stats and, uh, judging my fitness level based on how I'm handling the workouts. Um, you know, if I'm hitting certain metrics, then he knows exactly where I should be. 
and how to gauge off that. And if however far I'm off from that, he has to make adjustments based on that. Okay. And at which moment in a race, um, is it, you know, you, your coach and your whole team, at what point does it become just you, you know, you and your body and your mind on the, on the track? Is there, is there a moment personally where you kind of switch your brain, just, you know, flips and focuses on, on something and it's just you and yourself, uh, on the yeah. track? Yeah. Um, when I go into the call room, that's usually what happens is after I leave the warm up area and go into the call room where, you know, they give us our bib and we, uh, check in and all that stuff. And they, Uh, give us our lane assignments and bibs and lane numbers and all that stuff. Um, we're isolated from the rest of the warm up area. That's when I leave my coach and he gives me the last words of encouragement before I go in, leave my teammates unless they're in the race too. And uh, then it's all about me. It's all about me going out there and executing and showcasing what I can do and what I've been training to do. Uh, but after that, you know, nothing's in anybody else's hands. I have to take over. And what goes through your mind at this point? Is it complete blackness or do you have whatever, a song or do you think of your family? I saw you a couple of times before a race, you know, showing on the, showing on your, below your jersey, like a family, uh, a family picture, uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, usually athletes are more, you know, look, look focused, look serious. And you seem to have that, you know, the outside world still gets to you in a way because you, you still think of your family. Um, yeah, what, what's kind of your personal mindset? What's in your mind? Or is it, is it is there anything or is there just nothing and it's just quiet because you're in the zone? Um, I mean, I'm really in the zone. So like what I, if we're on camera and we have like to do an intro, then like momentarily I'll think of something I want to do that, kind of represents where my head is at but after that i lock back in and get into my zone and uh i'm really just thinking about execution and repeating in my head over and over and over and over what i have to do um what i've been trying to do and just try to block out everything else around me all the outside noise uh the environment what my competitors are doing um you know i'm just just trying to laser focus down on okay what do i have to do what do i have to do repeat it over and over and over So that when the gun goes off, I don't have to think. I just do because I've been okay. telling myself over and over and over. And it's kind of like stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in Tokyo, when when there was just literally no one in the stadium, this didn't impact you, you feel? No, not really. I mean, it it, it was eerie the first time out when I ran the prelims. Mm -hmm. But after the first round, it's like, okay, I, I can get used to this. Like, there's nobody here. Fine. And... You know, the outside environment can pump you up when you have a loud, raucous crowd. But at the same time, uh, you got to get the job done no matter where you are. And there's been times where a race is important, but there's not a lot of people there. And so you're going to not perform just because there's no crowd to pump you up. Like you got to find a way to pump yourself up. And I still knew that millions of people around the world were watching the race. So yep. it's not like it was some backyard race. Like it was still a very very high caliber race and the competitors were very high caliber so i had to approach it as if it was something high caliber just the same way it would be if it was like 2012 when there was a sold out crowd mm -hmm. okay so yeah it's really you yourself your brain and you know get things i mean just repeat over and over what you've been training for with that ratio of one for one million and make sure mm -hmm. that that day it just happens well um 
Have you felt, have you felt, I would say, in the past two, three years where you've reached, in a way, the peak of your career, that, well, you reached that peak or you always feel like you're going to get better as you know, time goes by? Because, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting older, like every single person in the world. It's just physiological. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you feel of, you know, your age moving uh, and, and you also wanting to keep progressing? How does that, how do you approach that on a, I would, What's your career perspective in general? Not just like when are you going to retire, but how do you feel personally and as an athlete of, hey, I'm getting older, but at the same time, I know I can get better still. Yeah, I'm, I know I can get better because I still am learning. And as I get older and wiser, I become a more experienced sprinter. And so I lean more on technique versus just raw athletic ability. Mm -hmm. And there's things that I still haven't mastered and that I'm working on actively in practice. And I know I've been doing it then I better than I've done it before. So that leaves room for improvement. And if I just go and execute and, and translate what I do at practice to a race, uh, there's a lot more speed for me to attain. And I know that I'm on my way to do that, especially this season and leading into Paris 2024, because I've seen the gains um, mentally and psychologically. Um, And just coming with experience and, and being able to execute better at the moment and being better at uh, honing in on my high performance when the matters most. So, um, yeah, this upcoming season, I'm not looking at like being past my peak or anything like that. Like, I don't even think about that, honestly. It's just about how I feel. Like, I don't feel my age day in and day out because I take great care of my body and I make sure that I do things around the clock like body maintenance and making sure my nutrition's good and all that stuff, getting enough sleep. I make sure that I take care of myself so that I don't feel um, myself aging. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's natural and everybody ages and everybody gets that point. But I feel like with technology and uh, science and all the stuff that we know as athletes today, you can push that peak longer than people have in the past. And some people peak later than others. You know, some people don't reach their peak physically until later uh as a sprinter in their late 20s and early 30s so everyone's different and i feel like i'm not thinking limits i'm not putting any barriers on myself i'm just gonna go out there and go and execute and know that if i do that i can still go faster so do you have any inspiration i mean in the in the sport well i'm thinking lebron james you know he's been drafted it was drafted in 2003 it's been 20 years yeah. now and It's been 10 years that every single year we hear, oh, it's, it's the best season of his career. It's just getting better and it's never aging. Is, yeah. is that some sort of a, you know inspiration on your end and you know, figuring out that as long as probably your mind wants and your body you know, uh, still can, then you can still progress and get better and you, know, you can reverse what we've seen when you, know, you expect people to reach their, their best performances at 25, 26, uh, but you can maybe do it at 32, right? Yeah. Um, LeBron is a great example. He's uh, my favorite athlete. He's been that since he came into the league. Um, I always draw inspiration from him. Uh, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price is another great example. She literally had a kid and came back, and she's still the reigning world champion at age, I don't even know how old she is now, 35, I think. Mm -hmm. So she's amazing. Uh, Gatlin was able to do it at a late age. Guys like Tom Brady, you know, he was 45 and still going, so... You know, the it, there's examples all over the place. Allison Felix was another one who pushed a career. So 
I'm not like I'm I'm 30, so it's not like I'm uh, going to be 39, right? So um, I still feel great. I still feel young and and able to compete with the the young guys out there. And I don't look at how long I've been in the game. I look at what I'm about to do in the future, and I still feel like my best years are ahead of me. Okay, so actually, you're not looking at uh, 2024 Olympics. You're more looking at uh, LA 28, right? For your peak, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm. T- no. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking it one year at a time, right? So I got 2023 right now as a focus, and then Paris is the big one. So, yeah. um, once I get there, I'll assess everything afterwards and you know reevaluate. But yeah, sure. I'm not even going that far into the future. Of course. And what's your, what would you say are your top two or three uh, priorities in you know, reaching your peak for Paris? Is it more, like you said, the, the, the technical more than the, the pure you know, force, pure athlete part? What, what are your main focus and where do you think you can progress most within the next, you know, whatever, 15, 16 months? Just the way that I apply my force. You know, I feel like I'm very, very strong and I need to apply that force in the right way so that my strength can lead to speed. And so uh, this year, especially, I feel like in the weight room, I've been as strong as I've been ever. Um, And as long as I can run the right way and use that force that I'm able to generate, then I'm going to be faster. And so it's just really, really, really honing in my running technique. Um, That's the key, honestly. Okay, I'm gonna have a very stupid question because okay. <laughs> I just did some research on you know a track and field and reaction time. Is that something that you can actually work? Yeah. What? How do you train that? Because I guess there is a it, there's a random you know delta between the set and the go time, right? Is how does that work exactly, and how how do you train for that? Because at the end of the day, it's again a point oh one second, but that can you know make the whole difference. I mean. You can literally do uh, exercises that work on your reaction. Like there was one when I was a, a younger athlete where I would close my eyes and I'd put my hands in my front of my head and someone would clap and I would try to clap as quickly as possible after to kind of work on my reaction. Um, there's things where like you have things on the wall and one lights up and you got to hit it and work on your reflexes. There's stuff like that you can do. But at this level, we don't really focus on stuff like that. That's more like for younger athletes, I feel like. When I'm working on that, it's literally exposing myself to different guns at practice when we do block starts and stuff like that. Or when we run a rep and my coach says go. It's waiting for the gun and reacting to it as quick as possible. And so when I'm doing that day in and day out, you know, I'm getting those mental reps in. And... um eventually you just set up little challenges for yourself when you're doing a workout. So maybe coach might not even realize that I'm working on my reaction, but like I'm listening for his voice. So when he says go, I'm trying to react as quick as possible to kind of simulate a race. And that's how you can work on it. Even when that's not the focus of the training day. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. And that, that was my stupid question of, <laughs> of the that discussion. Which, <laughs> it's not that stupid, but it is just a little bit. Um, Yeah, looking back, I would say, on your professional career and, and um, also when, when you were you know, in, in college, what would you say is your, in a way, biggest regret or what you could have done slightly differently that would have made a huge difference or would have different story would have made you, you know, 
save some time on your progression? Uh, I mean, I don't, I feel like I'm the athlete I am today because of the mistakes and things that I've mm-hmm. gone through. So I don't necessarily regret anything. Um, of course, there's always things we could work on to get better, but who says there wouldn't be more mistakes that happen, even if you corrected those ones, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, if I could have saved time, it would be to trust in myself. Um, basically that, you know, when, when you step on the line and you run as an athlete and you're competing, sometimes you can take it too seriously and think about like all the consequences and what would happen if things go wrong. And that was something that I would get in my own head with. And so there'd be races that are really big that I didn't seize the opportunity because I'm focused on the wrong thing. And I'm a big believer in manifestation. So if you're going to the line and you're thinking about things you should avoid doing and things that you don't want to happen, that's where your energy is going. It's going into the things that you don't want to happen and that's going to bring it out. But if you change your mindset and think about all the things that you want to happen, then you start to perform better because you're manifesting what you actually want to happen and not trying to avoid something. So if you think, uh, if you're driving and you think, don't swerve, don't swerve, don't swerve, like stay straight, don't swerve, don't swerve. Subconsciously, you're thinking swerve, swerve, Mm -hmm. swerve, because that's what you keep hearing in your head. But if you just think, just keep running, keep going, keep driving, relax, you're good then you're just going to stay good. You're going to stay straight driving forward. And it's the same thing in a race where if you're thinking like, if I don't win this race, I'm going to get cut. I'm going to lose my sponsorship or I'm going to, you know, get made fun of on the internet and, you know, I'm not going to make it to the next round and yada, yada, yada. And you're thinking about all the bad things that could happen. You're missing the opportunity of focusing on what's at, what's at stake and what you can achieve. And so earlier on, I would always repeat bad things that I want to avoid, but I made that shift where I started thinking about things that can go right and the opportunities ahead of me. And that helped my performance, especially in big races. Um, So if I could tell my younger self that like, stop thinking about the bad stuff, think about what can go right. Then I think I would have made a shift a lot earlier. Okay. So it's, it might be that wisdom, I guess, peace of mind that, that will help you also in the next, you know, couple of years, because you seem like, You seem so aware of yourself, what you can and you know, cannot do that it it can also be a, a difference maker in your uh, you know in your next uh, in the next few years and and you know getting into the Olympics because you you seem like you're you're gonna be just running, yeah. Your your mind is seems relaxed because you know who you are because you know wisdom comes at some point. So that's probably also what can you know make a difference on the on the track, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, on the, I would say, more personal side, you you run. That's your job. That's you know what what you what gives you money at the end of the month. What do you hope you will, uh, your legacy will be in a way. What do you hope you can convey to younger athletes and and just people in general? This this podcast is not just for athletes, but people you know in in their professional careers, people at school. What's uh, What is it that you hope you can you can communicate to those people? And you've been pretty active on, on social media and all that. And I guess there is a reason behind that. It's somehow you probably want to give back to the people that also helped you grow and, mm-hmm. and become the person you are now. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really big on mental resilience and uh, no matter what obstacle you face, you can overcome it and you can turn your career around. You can reach really high heights if you just stay the course and instilling a level of discipline uh, is really key. And that's how, that's what separates, I think, athletes who are good and athletes who are exceptional because if you don't have discipline to stick it out when times are hard, when, you know, you don't want to work hard and things are going wrong and it sucks, then you're never going to see how far you can take something. And so my legacy, I just want people to understand that. And throughout my career, I've had a lot of ups and downs. And the more you go through it, the more you understand that if you just stay the course, it will right itself. And you might miss an opportunity. You can gain the next one. And so, my career has always been about finding the next opportunity and focusing on the next thing. And so if I miss one, I get back up and I learn, I reflect and correct it. And then that's just how, that's just how you become the best athlete you can be. It's just being able to get yourself back up. And, you know, after you get knocked down every time, just say like, I didn't get it that time, but the next time I'll be good. And a lot of people will make excuses for why they didn't get it done. Nobody wants to hear excuses at the end of the day. Everybody has excuses and everybody has reasons why something's hard. And you might think that your excuses are so much more impactful than someone else's. But at the end of the day, if you just say, all right, I just didn't get it done, own it, have humility, say that I wasn't good enough on the day and stop trying to protect your ego and protect your pride, really understand why you didn't get it done, self-reflect, and then make the corrections you're going to go so much further than if you just try to protect yourself by saying, Oh, it's this reason why I didn't get it done. It's that fault. It's not my fault. And honestly, I just want to be like a, a living example of that where I've owned my mistakes. I've owned where I, I fell short, but I still rose up and went back out there and got even better and continue to get better at each level and learned how I could be get, be the best athlete I am and get the most out of my own talent. That's that's pretty powerful because I think everything you said is not about sport at the end of the day. Well, it's yes, running faster and faster and being the best, but it can apply and I, I can relate to that, whether it's business, whether it's personal life, whether it's you know school and all that. That just just do it anyway. <laughs> I guess <laughs> Nike is a great example of that, is their motto, but you know, just get it done and you'll fail. Uh, you know, your first race it's Your first race, sorry, was you know run for an ice cream. You just did it and you won. But the 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 next time it's like just be, be in that race. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. Just try it, and then you'll fail. And at some point, you ended up and you were you know the the fifth or the sixth guy. And then you had to work hard to to get to the next level. So it's just getting it done, making a mistake, or just failing completely miserably, but learning yeah. from that and getting better. Because the excuse of I can't do it or I failed because whatever happened is not really something that will make you uh, make you, you know, move forward and get better. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, nice words of wisdom. Um, cool. So I won't, it's, it's 10 45 PM. So that shows also your grit. <laughs> you accepting <laughs> to, to chat with me so late after a, a, a day of practice, which you said wasn't such a big day, but still many hours yeah. of, of workout. Uh, a couple of more, I would say light and, and personal question. Um, I saw you a couple of times with the Paris Saint-Germain soccer Jersey. Is there a reason why? Because I'm French, so it caught my eye. Um, I just like the way it looked. Um, 
I you think didn't know those sucker. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not okay. an expert. Um, I just, uh, I really like the way the, the the logo looked, and I'm a fan of you know good teams. And I know that they have uh, Mbappe and they have Neymar, so I was like, okay, this is a good team to use on FIFA. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. You okay, know, so I don't know if you uh, the news recently, but they just uh, they just lost in the, in the Champions League a couple of days ago, and it, it made quite a lot of noise <laughs> because oh, wow. they they failed again. So, but anyway, that video was was older than uh, than that game, so that's uh, that's fine. Um, what sports do you enjoy? You mentioned basketball. There was a lot of uh, uh, videos about that on your different social media. Um, any other sport? Any other you know? places any sport you like to play or just you know watching with friends or attending games um basketball is a big one i mean like i said i, I like lebron james he's always been an athlete i like watching steph curry as well um football was another huge one um especially college football like usc uh when we're finally good again so that's exciting and i'm looking forward to next season um but yeah football and basketball would be the biggest ones obviously i like to watch track I, I love my sport and i want to see it be the best sport it can be um so i'm very invested in seeing its growth and how it does over the years um but you know anything that's really entertaining i'll check out so like when the world cup's on like i'll i'll turn it on and, and see what's going on or like the olympics i'll check out other sports and see like who's the best in the world at whatever sport Um, mm -hmm. that's always exciting. So I just like good, good entertainment. Awesome. Which, uh, which team in the NBA? Uh, I am. So I'm a LeBron fan. So I really just follow oh, where yeah. he goes. Um, so the Lakers right now, and of course the home team, I'm a Raptors fan as well. So Lakers and whatever team LeBron's on. Okay. Sorry. So let's, Raptors let's and whatever the... team LeBron's on. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. call the, the Raptors for this year, even if the, the odds yeah. are, <laughs> are pretty yeah. special. Um, how many are there shoe rack, shoe racks behind you? Are they shoe racks? Uh, they're individual shoe cases. Okay. How many shoes do you have? Oh, I don't know. Uh, too many to count. <laughs> okay. Too many to count. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's say because it's yeah, forty-five minutes. I think uh, it's it's time to go sleep, rest, and and go back for another day of training. Last two mm -hmm. questions: If I were to uh, interview two other athletes that you may know of, girls slash guys, uh, athletes or in track or not track, who you think they should be? People that you might you know know and introduce me to. Um. You're you're Maybe on the spot. My, you didn't uh, expect this one. <laughs> so no. Uh, if you don't, if you don't, if you have no idea right now, we'll we'll follow up later. But if you uh, if you have any uh, on the spot, let me know. I mean, my my, I'll say my relay teammates, um, Brendan Rodney and Jerome Blake. They give them some love and um, hear their story because uh, I feel like you know a lot of people know Andre, of course, mm -hmm. his biggest name on the team, and then. You know, I'd be the second name, but um, them too. They also got great stories and they're cool people. We'll love that. It's probably super, super interesting to see that, I guess, probably their their path was very different from yours, but you ended up, you know, in the same same team and, and getting that gold in, in, in Eugene. So it's probably interesting to see where you three, Andre, came from 
to just end up you know on that same team on that same day to uh, to win the medal so yeah that will be very uh, very exciting um yeah. the last one is i'm building in my cottage uh, a wall of fame uh with the athletes that i interview so do you by any chance in any drawer or something have uh, a jersey that you could sign and and send to me uh, so i can you know complete uh, keep growing my my wall of fame is that something you you might have yeah where where do you live again uh, in Montreal, Canada. Montreal? I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll uh, organize the, the shipping and the, the fees and oh, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll, we'll coordinate afterwards. But yeah, any jersey, Canada, USC, whatever, quick signature, sure. I'll put you on my uh, wall of fame. Cool. Yeah, I can awesome. do that. Uh, thank you so much for your time. What can we wish you for the next, uh, let's say, 24 months? Um, like I said, two big events, uh, Budapest 2023 and... Um, Paris 2024. Those are the biggest ones. Um, that's another reason why I like the PSG jersey is kind of like a manifestation type thing, you know, Paris and Paris yeah. 2024. So I'm kind of, you know, it's a subtle thing right there, just uh, getting my mind right. But those are the two big events on the horizon. And of course, just, there's a lot of races in between, but um, those are the big ones that I'm focused on that I want to really do my best at, um, hit my peak. <laughs> and uh continue to improve so just look for me to continue to race year in year out and see how far i can go awesome so we wish you only but the best Aaron. where can you follow you on you know social media instagram tiktok yeah um instagram twitter and tiktok is at kingsley sc gets k-i-n-g s is in sam l-e-y-s is in sam c is in charlie kingsley sc um on youtube it's aaron kingsley brown which is just my full name um facebook same thing aaron kingsley brown so any of those platforms i'm most active on youtube and uh instagram but i'm getting my tiktok up so follow me on those three um you'll see some good stuff <laughs> awesome and most importantly cheering uh for you on tv right yeah budapest yeah, yeah. and paris exactly yep awesome that was so much fun thank you so much uh aaron have a wonderful rest of the day rest of the year and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you with that gold medal in Budapest and in Paris thank you I appreciate it Take thank you so much bye bye if you're still here it's probably because you liked the episode right so if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes it really helps us And until next time, enjoy life!